welcome to episode number 16 of the Nintendo Jump podcast. We are a weekly discussion podcast created for Nintendo gamers by Nintendo gamers. It is the week of October 8th, 2018. This is Sergio, and today I am once again joined by Kevin. What's good? And Daryl. How's it going, everyone? What's up, you guys? Number 16, how are you doing? I am resisting the sweet 16 comment. Well, I'm resisting it. Well, I'm gonna, I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah, sweet 16. My favorite no. color is green. <laughs> that was some good no. resistance. I'm like Muhammad Ali, fought like a butterfly, seen like a bee, like a fine machine. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm just... <laughs> Actually, it's supposed to be well, the way around, but anyway. Well, it's official, you guys. We're bigger than Final Fantasy. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. That's Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel so old. <laughs> I mean, I I would feel accomplished if Final Fantasy took less than a week to create, but <laughs> still something. Hey. Yeah, I mean, we're getting there, you know. Whatever oh, yeah. is 17, we're coming after you. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you know, I'm just going to reserve my feelings about Final Fantasy 15 just Hopefully 16 is good. <laughs> or, excuse me, hope that the execution of the story is good. Because Final Fantasy 15, you know, other parts of it are really good. Anyway, I'm done. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got. That's all I got. I don't, I don't want, you know what, I'm just going to keep it at that. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, mm. We do have a jam-packed show for you guys today. We have a couple of interesting questions that we're going to be discussing. Uh, for starters, we are wondering, is there a game that I have played that has dramatically broadened my appreciation of games? Or a game that has made us reconsider what gaming is and to, to take a deeper look at this hobby or at this, uh, this medium that we enjoy called video games? The mm. next question that we're going to be discussing is, is there a game that we feel like everyone should play at least once in their life? That's going to be a good question. And mm -hmm. to top it off, we're going to close out with discussion of the recent rumors about a potential Switch 2.0, if you will, or a hardware revision or some sort of upgrade for 2019. So look forward to that. Mm -hmm. Nice. So, to get going, the first question is, is there a game that we have played that has broadened our appreciation of gaming, that has made us consider what gaming is from a different perspective, or, or just have a deeper look at this medium? So, Daryl, why don't you start us off? Sure. And I, just to, I, I want to give a quick uh, shout out to uh, the website Destructoid, where uh, we first saw these questions. Really good article. I definitely recommend you guys pick it up. Mm. Uh, it was so good, in fact, that we, we really wanted to talk <laughs> about it. So quick shout out to, to Destructoid. I would recommend that. But for me, I mean, the the really short putt here is Celeste. I don't feel the need to talk more about Celeste, but it is it does fit that. Just, you know, they, they shoved a lot of emotion into a really hard platformer and it, it worked really really well i've like i said i've talked about it before so i'm gonna uh move on from that but that that was the first thing that came to mind mm -hmm. but the one that really stuck out to me and it, it may be a kind of a different direction than some people would take this question uh but a game that dramatically broadened my appreciation of games was star wars rogue leader on mm. gamecube which i mean i was there at the launch of GameCube, really excited for the system, actually. And when 
the first I remember the first demo came out and it was just the the Death Star level from that and it really looked and felt like you were playing the movie which I mean at this point you know we had all lived through the first PlayStation and Nintendo 64 where you know something that felt like you were playing the movie was this oddly polygonal weird looking thing that you had to at least use some imagination for this was the first one that the game might actually look better than some of the old movies mm-hmm. uh, do. And to me, that was the real big mind-blowing whoa, you know, of mm-hmm. of the GameCube launch. And I think it was for a lot of people. It still holds up. It's it's a great game. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, thinking back to where I was, yeah, that, that definitely kind of opened my eyes to what the future of gaming might be. Do you still have that game with you today? Yeah, I do. I also have its uh, sequel, which is good as well mm. good stuff i remember that game was really hard to get like you could play through the missions pretty easily but there were these medals that you were supposed to get to unlock the special ships and stuff and it was ah. really really hard to do dang like how many tries did you go through like was it just like for like hours or just um like what was the, i mean the this process? was this was high school me when i was bored so oh, I mean, yeah. probably probably uh way way too many <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it. We already got one this right, episode. We're, I'm not you know saying what? it. <laughs> we're good. We're just... You know what? No, that's all you got. That's all, that's all oh. I got. <laughs> hey, you know what? I got two games. I got two games, actually, um, if I may, that have redefined my perception of games as a whole. The second one is going to be an RPG, but the first one, mm, I'm not sure if you guys would expect it, but for me, it was Super Mario Kart. And, oh, okay. And, and the reason why I say that is that you know, when I first started playing video games, like with Super Mario Brothers, you know, one, two, three, and you know, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I had fond memories of back in the day. You know, there was always a hero and a villain. There was always a good side and a bad side, and I just it was just black and white. Even though, you know, I was only like four or five. Like, I mean, subconsciously, I I, I can sort of tell like, hey, like, you know, this is the good, this is the bad. End of story. But then when I started playing a game like Super Mario Kart, uh, and, you know, in the same breath of F-Zero, but we're going to focus on Super Mario Kart because it had a bigger effect. You know, with Super Mario Kart, there was no villain. There was no hero. It was just a race. And I wasn't really, you know, even before, like, I never really got into racing. Like, I mean, I was, I was like three or four. I'm like, you know, you know, just, just, you know, just played around games and stuff and never really thought about it too much. But when I, when I first, when, when I was, seven years old when I first started playing Super Mario Kart, you know, it really it opened my eyes to like the sort of gray area of games. Like you don't have to have a hero. You don't have to have a villain. Hmm. There's this, it's like, oh, we're, it's, it's like, oh, we're in this competition. And then I'm like, man, this feels great. Like there's this, and I, I, I didn't know the word adrenaline when I was seven years old, but I just felt it like, <laughs> man, like, damn, like, I mean, I felt so great. Like, holy shoot. Like I, there was just some sort of feeling where I was like, man, like there, there are, I'm sure there are other games that are, are that give me the same feeling of there's this gray area. It's not, it's not always black and white. And I, 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 I spent so much time playing Super Mario Kart. And I even love the music and just, it, it made me appreciate other things too. Like it's not just about who's good or who's bad. Like there's, there are other intents and purposes of when you play a certain game. And so I, th- I felt like Super Mario Kart really, uh, you know, gave me that, perception and so and and being able to try to master every character too like i remember when i first started using you know like like koopa troopa then i started 
playing with like you know more of the like Donkey Kong or Bowser where you know they're top heavy and you have to, it takes more skill to you know be able to get up, get up to like you know that top speed but it, it felt great and after and then that, and then like when I was a little kid I didn't think about who's good or who's bad it was just you know I just want to win or right. lose win now the drawback is that yeah there's you know when you don't get first place when you don't get second um, there there is that sort of like oh gosh but I wasn't like really mad it was just like okay well let's do it again like I'm 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 ready to go I mean you know with Super Mario Kart you you get lives and you can you know keep continuing to play and try to get first place because I always wanted first I always wanted first um, never satisfied so yeah that was I mean you guys have you guys felt the same way about Super Mario Kart I mean I, I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks that way hopefully not because I, I mean <laughs> no I mean it makes sense you know it, like you said if by by then I think most of us or at least most people that grew up playing video games you kind of do start with like okay you're the, you're the good guy and you go yeah. you go from the left to the right uh, mm-hmm. You know, avoiding or eliminating enemies, and and that's about it. You know, that's as basic as it gets, and it gets the job done. But then, when mm-hmm. you play something else with a different perspective, yeah, I, I can see how it can impact you so much that you actually sort of remember it because of that. And that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's yeah. a really cool point. And I've got something similar. I'll I'll touch on in just a second. But uh, to continue continue on Super Mario Kart. Man, I played a ton out of that game. Mm, yeah. I played like I remember there was this little I don't know if you'd call it a cheat code or an Easter egg or something, but if you hit a couple buttons on the character select screen, your character would shrink and you oh. would play as like the tiny version of your character and oh, you could yeah. play through the, the Grand <laughs> yeah. Prix on that. So I did that with every character. I played through it with every character and just mm-hmm. uh it yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um the fun fact that I have for Super Mario Kart is it was actually originally developed as a sequel to another game. Oh, uh, you, you don't know this? I, you know what? I feel like I should, but I don't. <laughs> All right, so it was developed as a sequel to another racing game on on Super Nintendo that you may or may not have a strong affinity for. <laughs> really, F Zero? You know? Yeah, it F- was originally it was originally developed as as a new F Zero oh game, my and goodness. then. Uh, for whatever reason, I think they wanted to. I, I think they felt that they had kind of capped what F Zero could be on the system, so they wanted to go kind of a different way, and mm. that was the birth of, of the Mario Kart franchise. Was thanks to F Zero. So, for for wow. all of you that are yeah, that that's, are that's listening amazing. to Kevin say F Zero every week, this is why. Yeah, <laughs> <right now. laughs> you know what? And I could see why too, because they both utilized Mode Seven very well, and just even right. during that time, and. Ironically, I played F Zero after I played Super Mario Kart, so I got it a year later. You know, it was it was on my birthday, and it was just like, man, like this is like this is even faster than Super Mario Kart. Like, holy shoot! <laughs> and then later on, I realized that oh, it was created first before Super Mario Kart. So I guess yep. you know, some sort of like time conflict there. But I mean, no, for me, it's just really, you know, F Zero. It, it just you know, Super Mario Kart and F Zero they really broadened my horizons. Of, you know, like there's other genres of there. It's not just you know, hero to villain. I, I must I must have said that like five times already. But uh, so racing games. That's why I love racing games. Just for those two games that started all. And you, you yeah, know, so yeah. To to kind of to kind of jump in on the uh, the good guy bad thing bad guy thing. Another one of the games on my list here was actually for the kind of the same reason. It was mm. Super Mario RPG. Uh, yes. 
Oh, so, yeah, Mario RPG was the first time that Bowser was a good guy. And yep. that blew my mind when, when <laughs> I was playing through it and I, I was kind of blind on it. I didn't know much about the game. Uh, you know, I think he's on the cover, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really know anything about the game. So I get to him and you're kind of encountering him uh, through most of the game. And he's, you know, <laughs> feeling more and more kind of like a sympathetic character because he's lost his castle and most of his minions right. and his yeah. armies keep getting trashed and stuff. And, uh, eventually, you actually get to him and he joins you. And it's like, Bowser joined your party. And at the time, I was like, wow! You know, it was it was this this gigantic moment for me. And it's, it's, this, it's funny to hear you say that about Mario Kart because it's the same feeling that I had then that, um, you know, Bowser can also be a good guy. <laughs> yeah, was... it, it's crazy because then, like, what, actually, I had the same similar reaction, and then I actually restarted. I just turned off my system. I'm like, what, what the heck went, went, went on? And I just reloaded my save, and then and then I actually got Bowser again. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I just I couldn't believe it. Like, all right, I guess I guess you know, tough shoot. Like I'm 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 stuck with this guy, but I mean, yeah, Bowser, man, like. To, to this day, my party in that game is Mario because you can't sh- switch him out, mm-hmm. and my man Gino yes. and and Gino. Bowser, and it's it's always <laughs> those three. They may not be optimal. I don't care. I I like them, so it's great. No, it's a good combination, man. Especially when you have Gino, man, the guy with the blue cape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's and Super Mario RPG. I'm glad you mentioned that. It, it really is one of my favorite games of all time. I, I still have it back home, and it is just like, man, it's it's awesome. Uh, speaking of RPGs, the second game I wanted to touch upon is an RPG, and is Final Fantasy VIII, but more in the the breadth of hmm. RPGs in general. Cool. So when I first, uh, you know, heard about Final Fantasy VIII, I heard from my cousin from Malaysia, and he was talking about you know this game that had these characters and this the story, and you know, for me, it was around the same time when I first started playing Heroes of My Magic Three with my you know Malaysian cousin at the time when I was you know traveling and visiting my extended family, and just the last days like Final Fantasy VIII, check it out, and then you know he, he gave me a copy. And I didn't even have a PS1 at the time, so when I got home, like, I'm like, I asked my parents, well, I had to earn it, but, you know, got a PS1 after, you know, just being a good boy in school and, and, and being able to play Final Fantasy VIII for the first time, it was just, I was like, wow, like, there's these, and, you know, yeah, there's back to the whole, you know, good guy, bad guy, bad guy sort of thing, but it was just, it just felt three-dimensional, and, you know, having, being this team of characters, you know, going around battling monsters, like, it just, you know, it's, I, I never knew, and this is like, I was like, wow, like maybe like 10 or 11, like, I never knew how awesome it, it was to, you know, be able to go around, explore, kind of like The Legend of Zelda, but in, but in a different atmosphere, like, it, it was, a, it was a much more, it was a more mature environment, I guess, because, you know, there's there's feelings of sadness, depression. You know, it's things that you may not really recognize or or, or feel in like a the Legend of Zelda game. Like when I first started playing, like the the very first one on the NES, and uh, and I and there were other games, other Zelda games that I had some sort of like, okay, like wow, like you know, just the brevity and excuse me, not the brevity, the um, that's the wrong word, just, just all the 
being that person who has to save the world. And in Final Fantasy VIII, mm. like there was just there were just multitudes of things that are coming at me. Like you know, there's this story, there's that story from this character, that story from another character, and I had to keep up. And then I had to learn. I didn't even know like what really how to use magic at the time. And then I learned through playing Final Fantasy VIII, you know, with uh, you know using fire and, and ice or blizzard and thunder, and then. Uh, and, and just the cutscenes, like the cutscenes were very inspiring because I'm like, man, it's like watching a movie. And, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really a big fan of watching a lot of movies back then. Like, it wasn't a huge movie buff. Like, I watched certain movies, but like, but I love the cutscenes from video games because I'm like, I'm interacting with these video games and I'm just rambling on and on. But man, this is, this is what defined my love for RPGs from Final Fantasy VIII. And yeah, I did not play Final Fantasy VII until way later, but Final Fantasy VIII was just, and just the flashbacks too. Like, there was, if you guys play Final Fantasy VIII, uh, yes. you know, just, yes, you know, the flashbacks, like, that just, it, it, in millennial terms, it hit me right in the feels, like, it, it just, like, <laughs> oh, man, like, there are just times where I would just, I would replay that scene, like, I would I would not save my progress at a certain point, and I'll, I'll come back to a certain point in the game, and I'll replay it again, like, I know that sounds pretty stupid, but, I mean, for me, it was, it was crazy, because then, like, now there's, like, this, 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 this disruption in time and I'm trying to figure out like why is why are they showing the past and these characters there must be some sort of relation and I figure out way later and it's just like man I I can't even and the music just hits me too like geez like I don't know I I, I just rambled on quite a bit but I mean I I think my point is is that RPGs like Final Fantasy 8 just gave me a third dimensional view of what a game can be and without the use of multiplayer you know i like i'm in this world and i may be this 11 year old boy but i feel like this this you know this stoic teenager in squall and who's the main character and just going through his journey and being able to absorb and under and trying to understand like these more mature concepts of of life I, it, it was just it was pretty mind-blowing for me and uh you know that's that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, that's cool. I, I can definitely relate. I think when when I think back to that game, the thing that stands out to me was, you know, like you said, Squall is not your typical happy-go-lucky hero that is like, no, yeah, I, I have to save the world and I want to and I'm happy about it. No, he's he's pretty much the opposite. And, and to me, the, that was the first time experiencing that type of character and mm. having to play as that character, as you know, as as your main character. It, it it was very different, and and I can definitely relate with everything you said. Yeah, yeah, it's just it was conflicting because he's like trying to f find, he's trying to figure out like you know being able to connect with his past and and just trying to find himself in in a world where you know he's there's an initial goal of trying to be a better seed s e e d or whatever and or and then just trying to you know find his own purpose in life and then and then you get into these scenes like oh gosh fisherman's horizon like what a great <laughs> piece of music man like like again i would i would have one separate save file where i would just like play it like whenever oh, i get wow. sad or, yeah i would play it whenever <laughs> i get like sad or depressed and just be able to you know just listen to the music and obviously it's not the most efficient way because i'm sure i probably got i probably could have gone to mp3 somehow but um from like napster <laughs> back in the day or limewire um, <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> no i mean you know just being real and 
I, uh, sites which we never used, <laughs> but we heard about we heard that about might have had that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think just having that, you know, being able to listen to music and then I would go to every part of Fisherman's Horizon after, you know, after being the boss and all that. And uh, it, it was just, it was wonderful. Uh, I think there's a certain moments in, when you play video games where, you know, you want to cherish those moments. Uh even even if it's whether it's at the end of the game or the beginning of the game, like if there's something that like just captivates your emotions, you know, or is a catharsis to to how you feel. I, I think that you know it's important to remember and be able to cherish it because, um, and, and you think about like the developers who made this game, like man, like they 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 put a lot of thought into these sort of things. Like it's it was it, it wasn't an overnight decision to go through every scene to portray certain emotions and stuff like it was it's a well thought out plan and i don't know if final fantasy VIII is determined to be the best final fantasy VIII, but i think it was the most important final fantasy for me uh just because of just that impact so i mean it could have been final fantasy 7 if i played that first but i mean it happened to be final fantasy VIII. so right right <laughs> yeah cool mm-hmm. cool and i i also have two games that I, that i thought of after Considering this question, and the first one, ah, I'll be surprised if either of you know about it, but it is called Trace Memory, and it was for the Nintendo oh, DS. Man. I knew about it. Or, yeah. Oh, nice. I, 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 <laughs> I played it a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, it came out, I believe it was 2005. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's it, it stands out to me as some, something that expanded my my view of gaming or my horizon as a gamer, it's because mm-hmm. of its genre. It's an adventure game. Uh, so th- those those are kind of more on the slow pace kind of games. They're more focused on character development and storytelling, you know, mm-hmm. building the world within the game. So b- very kind of unusual compared to your, your typical action or, or multiplayer game. So because of that, I think that's why it stood out to me. Th- these kind of games... I feel like to get the most out of them, you kind of have to focus quite a lot, sometimes even more than on your typical RPG or action game because the more you are focusing, the more you let yourself get involved in the story, I think the more you get out of these kind of games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the most part, these games these games have a lot of text in them. Sometimes they even have more text than some of the bigger novels out there. Uh, yep. For example, Trace Memory... It being my first adventure game, it kind of led me to play other adventure games, other games in the genre. Um, some that stand out to me are Hotel Dusk. That one Oh, was, yes. Mm, for a bit, yeah. yeah, that one is very different even compared with other adventure games. And, of course, Phoenix Wright. Which, yeah, I was going to mention that. Oh, man. Like, that's ah, just, yeah. just even... Oh, God. That is another <laughs> series, but anyway. <laughs> no, you know what? I think it is my favorite of this type of uh, series uh, adventure mm. game series uh there are others like the zero escape and danganronpa those that that's those are also some of my favorites um can you guys think of others dog island <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> hey which i now have <laughs> Yo, thanks, is... <laughs> thanks to my wife that so is if... legit that's legit <laughs> yeah I played it, and I'm, I'm going to call a little bit of shenanigans because in the first five minutes, you need a dog named Sergio. And I was like, huh. Interesting. <laughs> well, well, there you have it. Nice. No, I definitely I, I, I have some thoughts about that, but we'll, we'll go. <laughs> oh, man. 
pretty good. Nice. But yeah, you know, these adventure games, I feel like for the most part, of the, most of the ones that I played, they have left a good mark on me. They, they haven't only changed the way I see gaming. Sometimes they change the way I see life because these games have a lot mm. of deep moments and they really make you think, you know, like maybe we can tap onto the morphogenetic field or maybe if I yell objection really loud, I could really solve any argument. I mean, they just make you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know that. Have you it done that real work. life? Yeah. <laughs> have you done that real life? Because I mean, I I was tempted to <laughs> some points. I mean, like, I I mean, if you're in, I guess if you're in a you know a mock like school simulation of a of a courtroom, <laughs> I mean, sure. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but no, that's that's cool. I mean, like, just so with trace memory, like, what what was like the one thing in the game that just really captivated you like the one like if you were to choose all, i mean i'm sure like there were a lot of moments in the game that you relished but like what was the one moment that you're like okay well this is what made me love this game i guess by that time i hadn't played anything that had a main character dying oh yeah early on in the game and then you you kind of basically you play the game to find out how it happened and hmm. that was very unique to me at that time no that's awesome so do do either of you have another game that you want to talk about? I mean, I think it's a little bit uh, criminal to not talk about something like Zelda Ocarina of Time yeah. in this conversation That's... just because of how many things that that game actually did uh, for the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Like the the lock-on system and, and just the you know the first time you, you run across Hyrule Field and it feels massive yeah. by those standards. Uh, I I do, you know, I, everybody knows that game, so I don't really feel the need to talk too much about it, but it, it does seem to be worth mentioning for broadening the appreciation of games, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like a larger-than-life moment, and there's a reason why Ocarina of Time has been validated and being, like, just one of the top five, not the top game of all time, uh, and just the impact and just how it was way ahead of its time so you know it, it's a it's a really important piece of history to cherish so but that is all i got okay <laughs> and nice. uh me too <laughs> <laughs> well i do have my other game that really changed how i see gaming and you're probably not going to be surprised about this one it is animal crossing yeah, I, I think that oh, was really I was expecting that sort of just because I know how much you love the game and I mean <laughs> even when I first met you in person, like you have that book, this this comprehensive, <laughs> amazing book of like your your adventure and just all of the things you've done in the game. I'm like, man, this is I mean, this is not even this is this is like unbelievable. Like this is a true fan. Like this is like this is a a craft. So anyway, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just I'm like wow, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. No, no, yeah, definitely. So it it kind of comes back to what happened with Trace Memory. You know, it's whenever you play a game that is of a certain genre that it's it's very different from anything that you have played before mm-hmm. it. And so this is kind of like a simulation type of almost like a god mode kind of game in a way because you can go at whatever pace you want and and it's you know there's no evil in this world within the game so oh for definitely for me it was very different 
very unique when I played it. So that was in 2002, the very first one for the GameCube. And it's very hard for me to describe Animal Crossing without making it sound boring. Because, you know, you only, you go fishing and you catch bugs. So you're, you're the only human in this forest type village and you're living with a bunch of animals and you just, you know, do chores for them and, and talk to them and sell items to kind of pay your mortgage, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, if I have to tell people to play it, I would say, you know, play it after work or play it when you're looking to relax and that's when you're going to see the magic of this game. It's, it's very, definitely very, very unique. And to me, it's, it's way more than a game. Like it's an experience. I feel like we all have a game or two or a couple that are more than a game to us. It's kind of like an experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, This type of game is is very prone to that. You know, there's Harvest Moon, there's Stardew Valley, those games are very memorable for, for fans of this genre, but it could be anything. It could be like Splatoon 2 or, or even Smash Brothers. It's just games that are beyond a typical game and fulfill our expectations way, way more than than a regular game that, you know, they come and, and we play them and we have fun and we move on. But there's some that stick with us. Uh, you know, we yeah. all have mm. our our years like... Are defining moments in life. Like in 2009, I graduated. Uh, 2010 was my first year working full time. In mm. 2013 was Animal Crossing New Leaf. <laughs> yeah, that's man. I mean, that... that's that's how I can describe it. You know, it's it's an experience. Mm. So, question for you: uh, Every Animal Crossing game kind of adds something new and and changes the format a little bit. Uh, does it consistently get better for you, or do you still kind of hold on to the first game? Or, or is there just one in the middle that mm. you, you consider your favorite? No, I, I, I kind of feel like it's in the same way like Smash Brothers. The more they add to it, the more refined it is, the more options it allows you. Uh, definitely, like in the customization side of things, I feel like every game keeps getting better. There's mm. always the nostalgia uh, related to the first game that you play in the series, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there's... It, for Animal Crossing, part of that is also that the first game has a very different camera perspective and point of view of the world that is kind of like some people want it back, you know, but it, it's kind of, I don't see it happening, but I kind of wish it did. Yeah. But yeah, they, definitely every game, they just keep refining it. It keeps getting better. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's cool. That's awesome. And, you know, just to touch on Animal Crossing, uh, you know, one of my. Uh, close friends you know she used to play a lot of animal crossing i think especially back i think in high school and college and all that and you know she learned how to play piano before and then i think at some point she uh, i guess wasn't you know wasn't as motivated for a while and then like when she started playing animal crossing games like she loved like the music in animal crossing and so she picked the piano again and I remember one time I visited her house and, you know, and as a, as a pianist for me, I'm always excited to hear other people play. And so, you know, she was playing this one tune. I, I, I totally cannot remember the name, but it was like, man, that's awesome. Like, like, and she's pretty decent at piano. So I was like, well, like, you know, for her to be inspired by, you know, just the, the easygoing nature of Animal Crossing, to be able to pick up an instrument again like that, like, I, I think it's incredible. And, you know, it's, um, I, I I think it's just one of those things where you just you're just in awe, like wow, like it's like the the simple 
even the simple of melodies, the, the simplest of melodies can really have a huge impact. And so I think it's it, it's great. So, and I do want to say, since since he hasn't said it yet, uh, I do want to say if you enjoy Animal Crossing as much as Sergio, I would definitely take a look at or take a listen at the the Haken podcast, which. Uh, mm. Our our buddy Sergio is also on with a friend of the show Chewy, so yeah, uh, definitely definitely take a look at that. You know, I I applaud him for not saying anything, but you know, <laughs> you guys you guys should definitely know about it because it's a cool podcast. Yeah, you know, shout out to Chewy. You know, I've met him before, and he's a pretty cool guy. So, and obviously you too, Sergio. So they you know they got a good podcast going. So definitely check him out. And for this year should be really interesting for some <laughs> some news. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. Mm. Well, we are going to move on to our next topic, which is another interesting question. What is a game that you feel that everyone should play at least once in their life? And if it is okay with both of you, I would like to go first only because I feel like my answer or my, my the way I took this question was a little different. And mm. it's also a game that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. So when I first read the question, I didn't really think about it's a game that every gamer should play. I was just thinking every person, like if if some hmm. person that doesn't play games and they can only play one game and, and really enjoy it, what game would I recommend for them to play? And because of that, I would have to go with the game that I think it's closest to perfection in in terms of the closest to a perfect game. And that would be The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm. Oh, there we go. That's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it for sure. It has everything, and everything there is really good. You know, it has interesting characters. The, the story is is well presented and very well developed and very addictive. You know, you want to find out what's going on and... and what what your goal is and what what's going to happen in the end uh mm-hmm. the world is huge and it's very well developed with a lot of interesting characters there's mini games there's side quests all of it is just really polished and you know definitely more so back in the day so with so much going for it this is the game that i would recommend somebody to play if if like i said if if they were only going to play one game i do have two concerns though if that's the case in the first one being if i'm introducing this game to somebody that hasn't played a game at all previously it might be a little bit difficult for them it, this might be a little too advanced so i would want to kind of guide them or, or play the game with them at least for i feel like the first three dungeons would be a good a stopping point by then i feel they would they would already know if they want to keep playing and if they do want to keep playing i think by that point they could carry on on their own so agree with that Mm. right 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 and the other concern is if we're trying to make somebody play this game uh, and it's a person that has been playing games since the GameCube era and beyond only because I feel those games are a little bit more modern and Zelda Ocarina of Time it kind of has this oldish feel to it it doesn't it doesn't play old you know, in, in like sloppy, but it kind of feels old in a way, uh, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, there's a reason why this is a classic. And it's it's because of the fact that even if you play it from th- 40 years from now, 50 years from now, I mean, it's, you know, the 
the structural integrity of of how they design the game and the way uh, like the even with the camera angles and the music like i mean there, there's something it's it's like it's like a bottle of wine you know it it, it gets finer it, it gets finer as the as time goes by and it really is mm. I can't really describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to say that it has an age. Well, I think it has. It has, it, it has age well, It yeah. feels old, but in a good way. <laughs> in a good way, right. Right. That's why I said wine. <laughs> it literally invented a lot of the staples in the series now. Yes. So yeah. you, you'll see a lot of things that newer games have picked up on and maybe even refined a little bit that started with Ocarina of Time. That it, You know, so... It it almost feels nostalgic in that way that this is this is how games this is how that style of game started. Um, that I mean that said it it is still a ten out of ten game for me. It probably always will be. I, I can't I can't think of a time that I start playing that and go ugh. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Same here. Ten out of ten. I mean, oh goodness gracious. I mean, there's this, there's there's so so many things to say about you know the Ocarina of Time, but. And, and to your point, Daryl, it is a a lot of things that they've done in that game has has laid a foundation of other games to follow, um, even non Zelda games. Um, and, right. And, yeah. they, and you know, it's ah oh, man, I'm trying to trying to think with you, you know with Link, it's it's amazing because he doesn't really talk. You know, like and 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 it's like the silent protagonist, um, like. Sure, he may not talk, but his actions speak louder than words, or none. <laughs> so, I think that's <laughs> they they do enough with developing the character that they let you feel. Uh, for the most part, the silent protagonist thing is so that you can connect with the character and kind right. of put your own emotion on. But every once in a while in the series, you'll see Nintendo give him the personality. Like one of the things that comes to mind is after you save the Gorons and they all want to give you a hug and he just like runs away yelling. Like, you know, there's little things in the game and there's a bunch of that. Uh, when, when Rudo is flirting with you and he gets really uncomfortable and it, you know, you can feel it. And I, I think that that really helped the game cause they, they did a lot with the link character despite him not being much, you right, know, he, right. he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of a, an open book there, but, Every once in a while, they they throw something in there that just makes you laugh. <laughs> yeah, and and even even so, like with the whole with with those moments and him being a silent protagonist, I feel like it's very relatable, um, especially for me uh, when I when I was super shy when growing up. Like I, I I wasn't capable of you know being able to be outgoing or say the things I want to say because I felt like people might judge me for it. So I think that having someone like Link was really important to me in different parts of my life, not just in Ocarina of Time, but the Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess, you know, things of that nature. So it, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of other kids out there and even adults can relate. You know, it's, man, Shigeru Miyamoto, man. It, I feel like Link is, besides Mario, I think Link is the most important character in Nintendo lore. I think just... Yeah, the, the, oh, easily. The, the, the tremendous impact that Link has subconsciously and even mentally just it, it's oh man it it's crazy like i, I don't know <laughs> so zelda games don't do uh sales wise they don't do as well as things like pokemon and right uh, i think even animal crossing at this point has surpassed it and and there's 
there's other games that do better, but I don't think Nintendo is the same company without that franchise. I just don't. Mm. And and without the characters in that franchise, I think yeah. people really do feel a lot of love for Link and Zelda and even Ganondorf in his own mm-hmm. stupid way. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I guess now's a good time. So last week I actually uh, gave you guys a challenge to tell us which ones of the Triforce we are and the votes, uh, all few of them are in. And turns out the courageous hero, Link, uh, is actually Kevin. Whoa. And the, the the holder of the Wisdom Triforce and everyone's favorite Princess Zelda is Sergio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, of course, means that I'm the, the evil Lord Ganondorf, which... <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'm, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Pretty good position. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. And, you know, maybe as, as kind of a potential preview of a future episode discussion... As much as Ocarina of Time is my favorite Zelda and my favorite game of all time, my favorite Link is actually the one from Twilight Princess. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, nice. I'll, I'll look forward to that one. Nice. So mm. what do you guys think about, like, if you had to choose one game that everyone should play at least once? So everyone listening to this, everyone on the podcast knows that I'm going to mention Wind Waker. Mm. I... I just am it is my favorite zelda game despite me not really thinking it's the best i i do think somewhere between ocarina of time and breath of the wild is probably the best zelda game but wind waker is special to me and it what i was saying about link as the silent protagonist with a lot of personality uh gets like turned up to 11 in that game (laughs) and it feels like you're playing a cartoon you really care about the characters so that's that's really all I'm gonna say about Wind Waker, but yeah, if you haven't, if for some reason you haven't played The Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker at this point, uh, whether you're new to games or uh, kind of a seasoned gamer, I would absolutely recommend that one. Uh, for the game I want to discuss, I am going to actually go with Super Metroid. Mm. So Super Metroid to me is easily a top five game. And it was developed by, I forget exact, the exact number, but it was developed by a team of about 30 people. Uh, right. So this this game, it says a lot that a lot of the games in the genre have kind of copied what Super Metroid was doing in a way. And I don't really, I haven't played a Metroidvania type game to this day since then that I feel really nails the world as much as Super Metroid did. Mm-hmm. Like when you are in that world, you're on you're on the planet ZB Zebas, however you want to pronounce that. <laughs> right. And you're going around and there's a lot of mystery around it. There's a lot of almost loneliness because you are literally all alone fighting right. a lot of aliens and uh space pirates and stuff that you don't really understand. Mm-hmm. There's a surprisingly emotional story about this baby Metroid, which is like a very, very destructive alien. Uh, <laughs> but they, what it does really well is all the areas are extremely well linked. So as you progress through the game, you find all these little shortcuts through the world that, oh, I didn't realize that this area led to this area. And it makes sense. Like, 
the way they designed that map is one I mean, it's maybe the best the best map design i've ever mm. seen just because as you're going through there's not any like oh i'm in the ice world and now i'm in the fire world okay cool you know it's, <laughs> it's not like that it feels organic like right, yeah. the transitions all feel like oh of course this is here this makes sense to be here and now that i found this then i can get from this side of the map to this side of the map faster the game is pretty short like a, a playthrough of a brand new player is probably in the realm of you know six seven hours mm. right right it's not very long but it is such a good experience and it's so compact and just nearly perfect to me i like the way it plays i like the way it controls uh some of the some of the little designs like if there's a secret in the ceiling like you you need to go up there and and find a hidden room or something if you notice it there'll be an an enemy crawling into that little gap or out of that little gap when you enter the room like it's just little visual cues that hey there's something up here Mm -hmm. there are so many of those just smart design decisions throughout the entire game with like I said, kind of a surprisingly emotional story, uh, particularly if you got to play the original Metroid. It's uh, the same world, and you actually traverse some of the same areas, and it's definitely got some callbacks in it. But right. even if you haven't, I I think if I'm if I am describing the term Metroidvania or anything of that style, I start with the source material, and that is very much to me Super Metroid. Yeah, and you know just. Hearing you talk about Super Metroid, like, and the the Metroidvania concept, you know, I started liking a lot more of the Castlevania games that um, released later on, uh, Symphony of the Night, and then A Portrait of Ruin, which I think is underrated, and, you know, yeah, just that formula, and uh, just the way the, like, for those games that I mentioned, like, the story feeling, you know, organic, and, and 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 there's that that section where you are you are trying to level up your avatar and trying to you know get through uh, the castle and all that. So yeah, I mean, man, it's it's interesting. Like even with the Castlevania games, like I, I'm I'm expecting something very gloomy and like just some sort of like melancholy or and sometimes even really upbeat music at the same time. So uh, man, <laughs> well, it's just it's crazy to me at this point that. Like, this is a very flooded genre at this point. It is, yeah. Like, everybody and their mother wants to create a Metroidvania (laughs) game. And I... It's like, have you ever ever heard, like, a popular song that people have trouble covering? Like, everybody who tries to cover the song and puts it on YouTube doesn't do it quite Mm. right. And it just... It sounds a little bit off. That's how I feel about most modern Metroidvanias. Like, you look at games like uh, Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid, which I would say are probably the two big pillars in that yeah. uh, genre and they just do it better in my opinion they, they i just do. i honestly i just think they're better games than mm-hmm. a lot of the games releasing now and i don't think that that's just a nostalgia wave i just think it uh i think it like just moment for moment it's more impactful uh mm-hmm. than than it is now i you know i played through axiom verge and i had a good time but i always get in these things like you know this feels like a cover song you know, it just, okay, yeah, here's, oh, look, a little gap. Here's where I'm going to get the Morph Ball equivalent. Okay, you know, that, that's fine. But I can't get right. past that. And it's it's a little a little disappointing. But, you know, 
we do have the old games and i i do go back and play super metroid every every once in a while just just to keep it <laughs> nice nice no that's good i mean those are those are cherished moments you know those things that you know you want to keep for the rest of your life it's um i mean it's just attributes to our love of video games i mean there's this certain games like with sergio the ammo crossing with you with, with super metroid and and obviously final fantasy crystal chronicles which i do want to play <laughs> uh man it's and you know for me i i'm gonna pick an rpg um not really? just any not just any rpg um chrono trigger even oh, okay. though i the last time i played it i was like 90 percent done i didn't finish it and i'm sorry for that but um <laughs> but i feel like it's one of those games that everyone should play at least once i mean and just you know the story and i love the theme of time you know being able to to use uh the the concept of what you do in a certain point can affect like the future or you know, it's just like these things like that, like, man, like it, it teaches you a lot of like the, the decisions you make, like, like what one decision you make in one part of time can, can disrupt the future or it can determine your future. So in this game, you explore different, um, you know, different year points, like, um, like in the present and like the, the way future where things were a bit gloomy and then in the prehistoric era and uh, with really good characters. And, you know, I am a big fan of the Dragon Ball Z art or with uh, Akira sure. Toriyama. Yes. So that that's what got me in at first. And I was like, nice. oh, okay, Chrono Trigger, you know, cool, whatever, <laughs> you know, we'll see how this goes. But man, it was more than just art. It was just, I mean, you got multiple endings. You got like side quests that, focus a lot on character development and the battle system is really it's pretty special it, it's it's not like your typical final fantasy or anything like it so they call it they it's like the active time battle system or atb and it, it it's cool because like you know in final fantasy games you know when you enter a battle well, for certain final fantasy games you they take it to a different different screen but in chrono trigger when you're battling monsters or stuff like you're still in the same area and you just come out and just like hey you gotta fight so you know it's pretty awesome and um you know this game received a lot of praise too like back in the day you know electronic gaming monthly gave it best super nes game best role playing game and best music in the cartridge based game that's pretty rare uh for a game like Chrono Trigger, because, yep. you know, when you think about an RPG, a lot of people are turned off because they think, oh, it's going to be super long, it's going to be pretty grindy, but no, not really, not this one. Um, it's not as grindy. It's, and and it's, it's, it's a really enjoyable game where, you know, you're able to, there's, there's humor, there's a lot of, you can actually replay it to get different endings. I mean, it, 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 it's, it stands against the test of time, and, um, you know, it, I, I think even like the music can inspire you. I feel like like in the music point of view, listening to like Secret of the Forest, which we talked about in our gaming uh, music episode, like a lot of the music that has been produced in this game, like they're very well thought out. Like it's not, it, it, it may seem simple, but there's a lot of like, you know, just 
just un- like the stuff that is beneath the surface that really makes this music shine. So I think that Chrono Trigger is even if you don't finish the game. I mean, I mean, I should. <laughs> you definitely should play <laughs> Chrono Trigger at least once. Um, I had a roommate who loved Chrono Trigger. He never played RPGs, man, and like, man, you loved it. <laughs> so nice. Know. Yeah. So that's my pick. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And with that, we are going to move on to our next topic, which is. Our discussion of the recent rumors, yeah, I believe it all started with a rumor, maybe they want to call it a leak from the Wall Street Journal uh, regarding a potential revision or new hardware or new version of the Switch coming out in 2019, or at least in the works for coming out in 2019. And, you know, keeping in mind that this is all rumor, there's nothing official, there's a lot of hearsay. So with that in mind, we thought we might still be able to discuss what we think could happen, what we want to see, what we don't want to see. So do either of you want to take a stab at it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I Mm. I can jump in. It's, first off, the idea that a hardware revision of a Nintendo handheld is coming uh, roughly two years after the initial release, yeah, I buy that. I really do. <laughs> you, you know, that's there's a definite history of that with what? Game Boy Game Boy Advance and <laughs> yeah. DS and 3DS and then 2DS and then 2DS XL and new 2D. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Like, so yeah, I definitely can see some validity in here also the fact that it's coming from something like the wall street journal and not like 4chan or something is yeah that is right. <laughs> does a lot for the validity right <laughs> the question that we've we all kind of have is what is the expected you know okay they're gonna release new hardware great it's gonna be some version of some new version of switch great what is gonna be different that's kind of where the rumors really have started. And I got to say like the the most prevalent one at this point, the one that is, you know, been backed up by quote multiple sources with inside knowledge or whatever mm-hmm. is <laughs> basically a just a a stat bump like just making the the Switch 2.0 roughly the power I've heard of the PS4 which Oh my gosh! That's like I, I mean that if that is true, I'm a day zero owner, man. Like I, I'm gonna oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like I don't even have to think about that. Uh, but rest in peace, that, my PS4. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll say that's a little different than Nintendo usually does. They don't usually compete as much on a technical level. That said, there's a lot of room here that. That kind of thing would make it a lot easier for more ported games. You know, we've heard some games do still have trouble running on the hardware, and that might alleviate some of the concerns. Mm. I think also one of the grounds for this rumor is that there's there's a working theory that Sony is working on their own type of Switch. Just like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry for this, but just like they flat out like stolen the last few innovations that Nintendo's put out, right? Right. I believe that too. You know, it's just Oh man. So yeah. maybe it's a it's a stat bump to try to compete with it. I don't know. It it sounds interesting. Yeah, I man, if it had if it has PS4 graphics, man, that's that's crazy. Uh and I gosh, and it's like what if 
you know, certain Sony franchises come onto the Switch. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Like, because I love Uncharted series. I love, there are certain Sony franchises that I still love playing. Um, or fran- franchises that have made Sony exclusive games. Um, but with the Switch, rumors like this, like, hmm. Uh, well, I guess another question would be, you know, with our save data, like, what if you're someone who doesn't have, like, a micro SD card? Like, are you able to transfer uh, successfully from one switch to another? I mean, should be able to. Should be able to? Okay. Yeah. That's one you can thing. do a wireless transfer transfer now, and I would be utterly shocked if they released a new switch that you couldn't transfer your stuff onto. Yeah, I guess I'm just a bit cautious because uh, I think in terms of, yeah, just, just for my own sake. But, yeah, I mean, dangs. A new switch. Oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, like, is it just the the system itself? Like, what about the Joy Cons? Are we gonna improve that too? Like, what? Right. I mean, that's my question. Because like, all of the other revisions that I mentioned came with some fairly substantial actual hardware revision. Yeah. Like the the Game Boy Advance SP turned a flat system into a clamshell with a light on it. Uh, the DS Lite was a complete redesign of the system. The new 3DS is probably the the most tame of those, but it also added two buttons and a, a little control nub and thing. You know, right. yeah. So with all of these revisions, they do some sort of hardware revision as well, and that's one area that I'm a little uh, intrigued by, mostly because I think that the Switch hardware is actually still pretty cool like there's not any real glaring issues other than some minor concerns with like durability and such that maybe could be addressed but overall the form factor is pretty sleek it still looks nice it it does the intention so i'd be interested to see if they actually do a physical change of it yeah and that was a concern of mine like when when i first heard that there might be changes we we didn't know the how how big the changes could be but it it was a bit of a concern because like you said the switch does so many things right i like i feel it's the perfect size in between being too big and too small so i think it's you know it's still portable but it still gives you the big gaming experience that you would want Uh, like you said there's a minor couple little minor things like you know we're never gonna have a battery life that everyone is happy with but for the most part i think we kind of moved on from those things they're kind of yeah they're they're no longer issues anymore uh, with the switch doing so many things right it, it kind of concerns me if if they wanted to change it up too much and actually in our in our last episode of haken chewy brought up a good point that if they change it too much uh, at least the size of the system itself most likely they would have to change the size of the Joy-Con. And yeah, that's the moment, tough. Yeah, the moment they do that, you're fragmenting your user base. You're going to have Joy-Con yep. that work for this Switch and it doesn't work for the new one or it works for the small one, not the big one. And th- that, that could be an issue. But if like it's looking that it's just going to be uh, a beefier Switch, I'm, I'm for that. I, I do, I do want to see that. So... Let me let me ask the the questions that people online are asking. Do you guys expect a switch revision ever in the future whether it's this one or or again that is either a dedicated home console or a dedicated handheld? 
Yeah, they're all, you know, I see a dedicated portable more than a dedicated console. Only because, you know, Nintendo has more of a history with portables. And I feel like if they ditch the dock and, and they really improve the battery and it could be something nice that that could be the smaller one but i don't know if it could be smaller while, while still connecting with the existing joy con or maybe since it's portable the joy con uh maybe i was thinking maybe they wouldn't detach but that's kind of part of the experience too right yeah. see that that's where it gets a little complicated for yeah. me because i so offhand i end up on i don't expect either of these i expect the switch to always be this hybrid adaptable console because i think that's the best thing that they have going for it yeah just you know we discussed this on the last episode about all three of us have three different ways to play the thing and that's that's kind of incredible if you really think about it and something that neither of the other companies is doing until they steal it but it's it's just one of those things like the only thing that I could see, and this kind of takes me all the way back to like the Wii Mini, which was released as <laughs> the very, very budget version of the Wii that didn't, ironically, didn't have any online features or, or anything like that. And they removed things like the GameCube drive and, and things. This is ger- literally just a Wii system. It was, I think it sold for like 100 bucks, something yeah. like that. I could see them doing a super cheap handheld version. I could. I, I don't expect it, but if they went one of these routes, I, that would be the most expected for me is just mm. a really cheap built-in Joy-Con. This is a handheld system. Have fun. You know, that kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, so I I think having the hybrid would be great, you know, just because, like, that's just been – that's just changed my whole gaming life. I mean, which kind of sucks – for me in terms of being able to play my PS4 because I don't really think about it as much anymore with the PS4. I just play <laughs> on my Switch all the time. And, you know, it's conflicting because when I went to PSX last year in late December, I went in not knowing too many of the PS4 games that were coming out. I mean, yeah, like I got my Uncharted 4 signed, like the artwork and all that, which is great. And I loved it. You know, shout out to um, Claudia Black, <laughs> who was the actor of Chloe <laughs> Frazier. But that being said, I... I wouldn't love it to still remain a hybrid. And I think, you know, when you think about a hybrid console, like, you know, with the versatility and just the graphical output that it has, like, you know, for what it is right now, like, it's pretty good. But, I mean, I always, I'm always looking to have some the new tech uh, for certain ones. Like, well, with the phone, with, like, my smartphone probably every two years, but, like, with the, with the Switch, I mean, I mean, it's a no-brainer. But in terms of... Like I remember, like Daryl, you mentioned about the 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 DS series. Like I had, I had a DS Lite, the white one, and then when the black one came out, I actually traded in my white one and a couple and some <laughs> nice. games, and, and then got and spent some cash to get the black one. I was like, man, it's worth it because it was just a lot sleeker. And because I don't know, it, it, I just I don't know why. I just like I wanted to get the black one, and for some reason, like my white one got pretty dirty easily, and I had to always clean it every now and then. But with black. Yeah, it definitely got dirty too, but I didn't really think about it because it wasn't as noticeable. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if that's like a, <laughs> if that's just a console thing or it's just like a, <laughs> a, a personal thing. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, it's it's great with having just that. I had so many memories with the DSLA, but I think cosmetic wise is a big story. I mean, that's why I have like two different sets of Joy Cons. You know, with different colors, like I love having that mm. that variety. So, uh, 
I mean, hopefully, I mean, if they switch to the Joy-Cons, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, because there were some complaints about having the single Joy-Con, the right one, where, you know, the analog would be too far to the right. But, I mean, if you're holding in handheld mode with both Joy-Cons attached, like, I think it's, like, the optimal way, and it's hard to please everybody, so. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to actually make a prediction. So I predict that this rumor is correct, and it is coming at some point. It's going to be revealed some point next year after we get out the uh, Smash bundles and, and, and things like that. I would also predict it's going to come extremely close to animal crossing <laughs> just <laughs> right. just in in general uh i think it'll work with and this is based on nothing i think it'll work with the existing joy-con mm-hmm. uh, whether or not it has its own little revision of joy-con i i expect it to have the the capability of the oh. of being able to to use the current ones right gotcha and it'll do certain things like change where the outlet plug is it'll be a stat bump whether it's up to like ps4 levels or something i don't know but you know it'll be you know more ram better uh, graphics processor better wi-fi chip yes hopefully that one that one is a big one things like that and just kind of a kind of a small quality of life i really hope they don't call it the new switch i really really hope that's not it nah, i don't think so <laughs> that would switch that would. switch deluxe or something would be <laughs> switch much better but switch star I, don't know. I think i heard that it's one of the rumors says that they're calling it the switch s uh, oh no the switch which switch is like s, yeah. how about the switch xs that sounds good uh anyways <laughs> so i think so i think if i were predicting i would expect something more in line of what the new 3ds is did which is you know they're the same form factor. You can tell them apart just if you have a really keen eye, but it's it's pretty much the same thing. They play the same games. They use the same uh, accessories for the most part. But the new is just better in most ways. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that's if this is true, that's kind of where I would expect it to be. Nice, and it makes sense for something like that to come out next year when we're getting a ton of heavy hitters like Animal Crossing. Uh, Maybe even Metroid Prime 4. We're yeah. getting a new mainline, main generation Pokemon game. I mean, it's going to be a huge year. So if if there's going to be a revision, I think this is a year to put it out and, and just sell bundles of everything. Yeah, oh God, I even forgot about the Pokemon. <laughs> real The real Pokemon, quote unquote, coming no, out. Oh, man. Oh. So maybe it doesn't come out with Animal Crossing, but it does come out with Pokemon. That's also true. Also a possibility. <laughs> Oh, man, oh gosh, gosh, save up. I do hate, <laughs> I hate the fact that if this is true, I hate that they released it now. I hate that it leaked because we're going into a really important holiday season, and they they're gonna be pushing these Smash bundles. Now, I don't think that they're gonna have problems selling the Smash bundles. I really don't. But you know, there will be some people who are just waiting for news on the on the new revision i think it's a really bad time yeah it's t- for that so yeah. i i kind of hate that this news actually came out yeah i, I yeah hate, i hate yeah. too actually sorry i hate it too because then it's like you know then right as you said people are going to question like oh should i just wait for a new switch like i can just wait and and some people are more patient than others about it so it's like i mean yeah it's a bit conflicting yeah and i mean if that's the case you bet nintendo is gonna do whatever it takes to keep it to as far away as it got and no more 
Yeah, yeah, we have no comment at this time <laughs> until until Marchish next year. Then we'll have some comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a good call. <laughs> uh, is there anything specific that you guys would want to see? I mean, this is not very common, but I would want a optical out straight from the dock. Uh, you know, just in terms of audio, that would be very nice. <laughs> well, that's neat. That'd be that'd be cool. Aside, I have some small problems with the actual hardware of the Switch. Like I've said, uh, all of it, it feels nice. It looks nice. I think it's it's a good design. All of it feels a little fragile with the you know, the battery swelling issue and the, the warping cases issue and the Joy-Con right. connection issues and the Wi-Fi issue. You know, there's, a, <laughs> Too many. there's a laundry list of items yeah. that fixing these things would not make the system appear any neater or cooler or anything like that but it'd be really nice for all of us i think nice to do list yeah that'd be good hmm well i i guess maybe having the option to have like a a d-pad and maybe improving the um the ergonomics of the joy con i think that'd be cool because then uh when you hold your switch in handheld mode without the skull and co grip case <laughs> you know people <laughs> have mentioned that your they are hands cramped so maybe they could do something about the, the ergonomics of the joy con shape itself i think that'd be cool mm. uh i would like that too because i i mean i i mean having holding it in that sort of way with if more of an ergonomic shape would be uh, really awesome and maybe i'll well I mean, I still want to use my skull and gold grip case, but you know, like it's it's just these little touches that I think would make it a lot better experience, a lot a much better experience in terms of holding the Joy Cons. But yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, besides that, I mean, Daryl probably. I mean, he already you already mentioned like <laughs> all the the other things, like especially the Joy Con connection. That <laughs> yeah, one's a big sorry. one. Sorry, no, it's <laughs> it's a very valid concern because I mean, there were times where my left joy-con would it would work kind of weird or it would, it, it, if yep. it, like when i was playing mario kart but then i mean i had to consider that like there were six other people <laughs> that you know or the six <laughs> other you know connected devices uh in terms of like well like i'm counting you know a, a pair of joy-con which is two and then there was like two other pro controllers and then right, you know right. my two joy-cons so i was like oh, okay well i guess it's reasonable i mean it's it's reason. I mean, I can see why, it, but it's a little surprising for a Nintendo console, just because those things are usually built to be run over by a truck. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I'm okay with where it is, and and I really am. And I, as as much as I would love for these things to get fixed, and kind of expect them to get fixed if there is a console revision, which again I do expect yeah. is coming at some point. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it's bad. It's, we are not at original DS level at all. Like, oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like this is this is definitely a nice to have, not a necessity. You know. Yeah, I remember those days when the original DS came out, and I was just thinking, man, maybe I just wait if there's like a, a another a new DS that comes <laughs> out, and it happened like DS Lite. I'm like, holy shoot! Then I get like, nah, day one, baby. Yeah, and then yeah, I should have been like that. I mean, I I, <laughs> I sort of kind of regretted a little bit because then. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to have it at launch, but you know, who do you know? I got two different sets of DS lights. 
I personally want the Switch XL that is just like the size of an iPad. Oh gosh, I really I don't want that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that hobby too big, man. I don't know, like twelve inches, like gosh. it'd be kind of awesome. It would. Yeah, yeah. I want. I mean, I'm just thinking about Sergio's external monitor that he, he brings with him. I'm like, damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, no, but even if if the the size remains, I want to see custom uh, face plates or I guess back yeah. plates in this case and also for the Joy-Con and also for the dock oh yeah for oh, sure that'd be great yeah um, hmm. or Ori, Ori can make it well I mean they Ori made uh, <laughs> some of the like the different alternatives for the pro controller yeah that, which is yeah. cool um, and, and the the Joy-Con with the D-pad, but they only made the left ones, so you can't have a matching set. Yeah, it's true, and it does <laughs> it does it, take up a lot of battery. It doesn't do a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The the battery thing got fixed. Oh, it did. Okay. I do want to be yeah. Yes. I do want to be clear about that. That got patched oh, out. Oh, really? But it does have a lot of design issues still. It doesn't have like motion and uh, the HD rumble and things. It's definitely a Joy-Con that you want to keep attached to the system and use for D-pad. Yeah, I, <laughs> right, I guess right. for fighting games that'd be pretty beneficial and you know yep. Tetris like games <laughs> or Tetris. Ooh, yeah. good point. Yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yep. 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 Any closing comments or statements, you guys? Yeah, just want to say that with the Nintendo Switch, I mean, if I get the new Switch, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like just, you know, sell my old Switch. I mean, I still want to keep it somehow. Or, I mean, unless there's a good trade-in program or something, but it would suck because then I really do cherish this console. So I probably won't trade in right now. Or, I mean, if if there was a new Switch coming out, then I'm not sure. I have to think about it. Like. That's tough, because then, I mean, this Switch that is, like, two feet away from me, I mean, it really changed my gaming life, so I don't, I mean, it'll be hard to just part ways, so I'll probably just keep it for now, even if... That's true. Yeah, like, because then, when I was a lot younger, um, you know, like, I I told you guys before, I traded my white DS Lite for a black DS Lite, because I, because I wanted something new, and I thought that, and I wanted a different change, change in, you know, in... The, the color of the DSLA. I mean, if they had a green one, it'd been great. I would have definitely bought that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, just it, with, whether it's the cosmetic or and and even with the Joy Cons, like uh, you know, having different color Joy Cons. I mean, it's it's nice to it's nice to have. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes next year. And you know, if there's a Pokemon bundle with new Switch, I mean, pretty tempted. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I also, I just want to give a shout out uh, to a few people, and this is this is kind of special. Uh, Sergio and Kevin don't actually know about it, uh, but I, we actually have a few uh, international listeners popping up now and, and writing us some really nice emails that I, I wanted to stop and 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 say thanks. And I will, unfortunately, I, I will probably butcher your names. I, I'm <laughs> sorry for that. Uh, but I do. I did want to give a quick shout out to Lussie from uh, actually from Finland, mm. uh, Jimmy from Sweden, and Rafenkel from Iceland who uh, followed us on Twitter, joined oh, wow. our, our Facebook group. Yeah, Holy yeah. Shoot. So that's, wow, that's awesome. I gotta say, starting this, I never even considered the possibility that we might have international listeners, and that's still kind of blowing my mind. So yeah, that's, yeah. You know, wow, that is, and uh, I mean, Jimmy and, and Lussie actually wrote us some really, really nice emails, so we appreciate you guys. And just, you know, just want to say hi. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, so just want to repeat, 
so Iceland, Finland, and what other? What was the other? In Sweden. Sweden, man, we got man, we got the Scandinavian countries, and we got a cool island, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Holy shoot! I mean, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Like, I mean, this means a lot to us. I mean, like when we first started, we we just thought maybe it would just reach you know some listeners, and we'll see how it goes. But we didn't really anticipate you know being able to. Uh, hear from international listeners i mean that's incredible uh it's it, it makes this worthwhile and i think that you know it, it gives us a lot more motivation to uh, keep this going and get better with it so uh, i think there's still a lot for us to you know to do with this podcast and and you know you you guys guys and girls you are a big inspiration for that so it's cool yeah definitely that is that is really amazing. Thank, thank you so much. You know, whether you listen international or local, I mean, thank you. We, we really appreciate it. You know, from the bottom of our hearts, it's, it's just amazing the fact that we can reach out so far in, in that you're entertained by, by our discussion. Yeah, we really appreciate it for sure. And with that, we are going to jump on out of here. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, feel free to join our Discord group. There is a link for it in the description for this episode. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and on Instagram as Nintendo Jump. We have a Facebook group as well. And our episodes are on YouTube, so feel free to leave us a comment about the games that we talked about and why we talked about them, or just about the podcast in general, anything goes. Definitely give us your comments there. You can also send us your feedback via email at nintendojumppodcast at gmail.com. And definitely keep sending us your music suggestions. We will have a second music episode, so the more you send, the, the sooner we can make that happen in the more of a chance of your music being featured in the next yeah, music I gotta, episode. I gotta say, our European friends have sent in music suggestions, so nobody has any excuses. Whoa, nice. there you go. No <laughs> excuses. Make the jump. <laughs> nice, go for it. And definitely, please leave us a review on whatever application you use to listen to our podcast. We would really appreciate it. Once again, this is Sergio, and on behalf of Daryl and Kevin, Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great week. Bye-bye. See you guys. See ya. Have a good one.